listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on these four volumes and over 2,500 pages of mystical revelations received by Venerable Maria of Agreda. Today is Day 27, and we'll begin reading Chapter 17, Paragraph 209, and we'll read through 216. If you would like to follow along, you can get your own four-volume set of The Mystical City of God from Tan Books. And when you go over to their website, just use the code PODCAST15 at checkout, and you'll save 15%. And if you would like to discuss today's reading with others who are listening along and reading along, then go over to Facebook and find The Mystical City of God in a Year Facebook group, and you can share in conversation. Let's begin. Chapter 15 of the Immaculate Conception of the Mother of God through Divine Power The Divine Wisdom had now prepared all things for drawing forth the spotless image of the Mother of Grace from the corruption of nature. The number and congregation of ancient patriarchs and prophets had been completed and gathered, and the mountains had been raised on which this mystical city of God was to be built. Psalm 86 verse 2 By the power of his right hand, he had already selected incomparable treasures of the divinity to enrich and endow her. A thousand angels were equipped for her guard and custody that they might serve as most faithful vassals of their queen and lady. He had provided a noble and kingly ancestry from whom she should descend, and had selected for her most holy and perfect parents, than whom none holier or more perfect could be found in the world. For there is no doubt that if better and more apt parents existed, the Almighty would have selected them for her, who was to be chosen by God as his mother. He endowed these parents with abundant graces and blessings of his right hand, and enriched them with all virtues, with enlightenments of divine science, and with the gifts of the Holy Ghost. After having announced to the two saints, Joachim and Anne, that he would grant them a daughter, admirable and blessed among women, He permitted the work of the first conception to take place, namely that of the most pure body of Mary. The age of Anne when she married Joachim was twenty-four, and that of Joachim forty-six. Twenty years they lived in a married life without having an issue, and thus Anne, at the same time of the conception of her daughter, was forty-four years old, and St. Joachim sixty-six. Although the conception happened according to the ordinary course of nature, Yet the Most High freed it from the imperfections and disorders, permitting only what was strictly required according to nature, in order that the proper material might be furnished for the formation of the most perfect substance within the limits of a mere creature. God limited the natural activity in the two parents, and by His grace prevented any fault or imperfection subsisting for them virtue and merit, and entire propriety in the manner of conception, which, though natural, and according to the common order, was nevertheless directed, supplemented, and perfected by the action of divine grace, without disturbing the proper effect due to the law of nature. As regards the holy matron, Anne, the divine power was more manifest on account of her natural sterility. In her, the conception was miraculous, not only in regard to the manner, but in regard to its very substance. In regard to the conceptions, which happen entirely according to the natural order and in virtue of the natural powers, there is no necessity of recurring to or of deepening on any supernatural cause. The parents, in concurring, are sufficient causes of the propagation, even in case they furnish the material and the concurrent acts of generation with imperfection, 
and without proper measure. But in this conception, although the father was not naturally sterile, yet on account of his age and moderation his natural powers were in a measure suppressed and weakened, and therefore he was enlivened, restored, and enabled to act on his part with entire perfection, with the plenitude of his faculties, proportionately to the sterility of the mother. In both of them nature and grace concurred, the former briefly with measure, and in that which was necessary the latter overflowingly, powerfully, and generously, absorbing yet not confounding nature, exalting it and perfecting it in a miraculous manner. Thus grace was the origin of this conception, while it called into its service the activity of nature, in so far as was necessary for the birth of that ineffable daughter from her natural parents. The mode of repairing the sterility of the Most Holy Mother Anne did not consist in the restitution of that condition, which was wanting in her natural faculties of conception. For thus, restored, she would have conceived in no way different from the rest of the women. The Lord concurred with her sterile faculties in a more miraculous manner for the formation of the body from natural material. Thus, the faculties and the material were of the natural order, but the manner of moving them happened by the miraculous power of the divinity. As soon as the miracle of this conception had ceased, the mother was left in her former sterility, never to conceive again, since no new quality was taken from them or added to the natural temperament. This wonder it seems to me, can be made intelligible by that which our Savior wrought when St. Peter walked over the water, Matthew fourteen twenty nine. In order to sustain him, the water was not necessarily changed into crystal or ice over which he and others could have walked without requiring any miraculous intervention except that of thus suddenly changing it into ice. But without thus changing the water, the Lord gave it to the power to sustain the body of the apostle. It remained in a liquid state both during and after the miracle, for when St. Peter ran over it, he began to sink and was about to drown. The miracle, therefore, was performed without changing the water by the addition of a new quality. Much like to this, though much more wonderful, was the miracle of the conception of Mary, most holy, and her mother Anne. The parents were so entirely governed by grace and withdrawn from concupiscence and delectation, that the accidental imperfections which ordinarily are the material or the instruments of conception, and which induce original sin, were altogether wanting. Thus was furnished a material exempt from imperfection and furnished in such a manner that the act itself was meritorious. Hence, in so far as his act was concerned, it could easily be free from sin or imperfection, even if divine providence had not previously arranged every particular of this event. This miracle the Almighty reserved solely for her, who was to be a mother worthy of himself. For if it was proper that the material part of his being should have its origin according to the order maintained in the conception of the other children of Adam, it was likewise eminently proper that, without destroying nature, grace should concur in it with all its efficacy and power, and that it should excel in her and act in her more efficaciously than in all the children of Adam, yea, be greater than even in Adam and Eve, who gave origin to the corruption of nature, and to its disorderly concupiscence. In the formation of the body of the Most Holy Mary, the wisdom and power of the Almighty proceeded so cautiously that the quantities and qualities of the four natural elements of the human body, the sanguine, melancholic, phlegmatic, and choleric, were compounded in exact proportion and measure in order that by this most perfect proportion and its mixture and composition it might assist the operations of that holy soul with which it was to be endowed and animated. 
This wonderfully composed temperament was afterwards the source and the cause, which in its own way made possible the serenity and peace that reigned in the powers and faculties of the Queen of Heaven during all her life. Never did any of these elements oppose or contradict, nor seek to predominate over the others. But each one of them supplemented and served the others, continuing in this well-ordered fabric, without corruption or decay. Never did the body of the Most Holy Mary suffer from the taint of corruption, nor was there anything wanting or anything excessive found in it. But all the conditions and proportions of the different elements were continuously adjusted, without any want or excess, in what was necessary for her perfect existence, and without excess or default in dryness or moisture. Neither was there more warmth than was necessary for maintenance of life or digestion, nor more cold than was necessary for the right temperature and for the maintenance of the bodily humors. Nor was this body, on account of its admirable composition, less sensible to the influence of heat and cold and the other inclemencies of the weather. But rather, as it was more delicately and perfectly constituted, so it was more acutely affected by any extremes, not being able to furnish a defense against the excess of temperature in those parts, which were more subject to them. Certainly, on the one hand, these extremes would find in such a harmoniously constituted frame much less material in which they could work their charges. Nevertheless, on the other hand, the delicacy of its composition made even ordinary influences much more penetrating than greater ones in other bodies. This admirable body, thus formed in the womb of Holy Anne, was not capable of spiritual gifts before it was animated by the soul, but it was capable of receiving the natural ones. These were given to this body in supernatural degree, and by supernatural power, so as to accord with the high purpose and the singular gifts for which it was formed, and in this it surpassed all others, in the order of nature and grace. Thus were given to it a complexion and faculty so excellent that all nature would never of itself be able to produce one similar to it. This concludes our reading today for Day 27, Chapter 15, Paragraphs 209 to 216. In today's reading, we are hearing about how God formed the Blessed Mother, how he allowed her to be one of the most perfect creations ever to have been made. Perfect because she is without sin, perfect because she is without flaw, perfect because she excels in every virtue. And we've been reading now for 27 days from this book called The Mystical City of God. Today we hear at the very beginning of our reading this name, The Mystical City of God. The number and congregation of ancient patriarchs and prophets had been completed and gathered, and the mountains had been raised on which this mystical city of God was to be built. And so Mary is the mystical city of God, because in her, Christ our Lord is going to be built and is going to come to life. And so she's this mystical city. We also hear today that God endowed Joachim and Anne with abundant graces and blessings and enriched them with all virtues and enlightenments by the power of the Holy Spirit. God chooses people. He chooses Anne and Joachim for this special role. And so God gives what Anne and Joachim need in order to be the best parents they can be of this child, Mary, who is like none other who, child that has ever been born. 
That's what we hear at the very end. Thus were given to it a complexion and faculty so excellent that all nature would never of itself be able to produce one similar to it. That Mary is really the mold of God, that she has been molded by God into being because God knows who Mary is going to be and what role she is going to have in this plan of salvation history that the prophets and the patriarchs of old have written about and spoken about, and now it's going to be fulfilled. I'm Father Edward Looney, and I'm reading The Mystical City of God throughout the year. I hope that you'll join me again tomorrow as we continue to make our way through this wonderful volume about the conception of the Blessed Virgin Mary. May God bless you today, and Mary pray for you.